Morphin Legacy presents The Grid. Ranger Nation, this is Shatter A22, Vice President of MorphinLegacy.com, welcoming you to episode 158 of The Grid, reviewing the first half of Season 2! Joining me in this episode is Austin. Hello. And Amber. Oh, hi there. Hi. Alrighty, so I bet y'all are wondering, damn, y'all doing 11 episodes in one episode? Yes. <laughs> we thought that we'd do it all at once, and then we can have more time to do fun stuff, like more rankings, more retrospectives, a grid masterpiece theater, some other stuff we have in the works. Also, we have a whole gay-ass plan for June, so be ready for that. Yeah, you thought this was already the gayest podcast, Mama. Sweet. Alrighty, so with that... Let's go ahead and get this shit started. Alrighty, so first on the jocket. Episode 1, Numero Uno. Written by Johnny Hartman and directed by Charlie Haskell. So the character focus of this episode is all about Amelia. So her civilian plot is that she is left in charge of running Buzz Blast and it's interfering with Ranger duties. Oh no. Also, why is she the one left in charge of Buzz Blast? Can't you just give it to the purple sweater guy? Is there no VP or supervisor or manager of operations or something? Amelia is just like a journalist, essentially. Why did she get that? Because she's a main character. She's a hashtag girl boss. Also, she uses this power to greenlight a new show for herself called Mystery Buzz. Totally not a ripoff of BuzzFeed Unsolved. So with that out of the way, she's about to quit. But of course, they come back from their honeymoon. I mean, doing a world expedition on a documentary. They are so gay. I love them. I actually ship Jane and Jane. <laughs> I do too. There's some moments in these episodes. I think Jane is a robot fucker. Welcome to the club. She's a robosexual. Amelia also mentions pop pop warts a lot this episode and i'm like oof first of all i don't want to hear pop up even being mentioned to begin with and then you gotta mention warts girl i don't need to be thinking about old man feet warts no thanks so we start off the ranger plot where we see what the dino fury rangers have been doing since they someone so killed void nine so they apparently have been scooping out the city and just neutralizing sporks including one that looked like a fly clown very weird. Typical mid-season kind of stuff where they think that they defeated the villain. At least they are still rangers. They're still doing stuff because some of those mid-season openers, they like, oh, we got to get the team back together. And we got to get our powers back. So it's like, oh, no, they're still rangers. They're still doing the shit because there's still shit to do beyond just stopping Void Knight. Alrighty, so then they get a little uh, inkling that Void Knight may have returned. So since they still have Void Knight's little purple saber, they pretend to put on a little ruse where they're going to blow it up but this ruse ends up being the reason why void knight gets the sabers i kind of wish they had a different way he got his saber back totally do the ruse thing what is more important right now answering the 
fucking phone are dealing with this. She was really distracted by the buzz blast stuff. So that was the ranger plot, essentially. They fight the monster, blah, 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 the end. We got 11 episodes to do. We got to rush this shit out. All right, on to the villain plot. So Void Knight is back, but he's just a PNG on the screens in Area 62. So he somehow got a Sporks beast to help him, which can hack computers. But before that happens, Mikas and Slyther come back to Area 62, and Mucus tries to open up the secret room by swinging on a wrecking ball, which I thought was kind of funny. So the PNG of Void Knight orders Mikas, Slyther, and the Sporks beast of the week, Bitscream, to get the fixed Dino Key and his Chroma Saber back, and they are eventually able to accomplish this, because everyone's an idiot, and and Amelia is unfocused, so the way they get the fix-it dino key is Sliver disguised himself as an over-the-top gay flower shop owner, and he's like, oh my cart. And I'm like, girl, the second he got on that screen, I knew it was Slyther because he had blue glasses and he had an orange apron. You see those two colors on a character? It's going to be Slyther. And what do you know? It was Slyther. Alrighty, so on to the comedic corner. Like I said before, Jane and Jayborg were on their worldwide excursion, filming shit for a documentary. They have shenanigans in different places. However, their documentary stuff is ruined because a volcano disintegrated it, I guess, but it didn't disintegrate until Jayborg picked it up after they got back. Do any of these shenanigans make sense? No. I have one in this batch of episodes that I actually did not like, but this was fine. It's still better than Victor and Monty. Alrighty, so on to some little introductions. So we learned that Ollie's mom has gotten a new research job in Japan. At the Ishinomori Institute. Ha ha ha. Huh. I mean, if you're going to name something after somebody, it's good to name it after the person who created the franchise. Ion and Zeta have resumed their search for AFCON, which will continue in later episodes. And like I said, Amelia greenlit a new show for herself called Mystery Buzz. Bitch, just because you're in charge doesn't mean you just give everything to yourself, bitch. I mean, that's exactly what it means. I don't know what you're talking about. Have you not heard of any CEO ever? Alrighty, so we also got two new Sporks beasts, the one I talked about earlier, which looked like a fly clown. Also, Bitscream, who used his little hacking technology stuff to get the fix-a-key and the saber. But he was also voiced by Estevez Gillespie, who also voiced Wrench and Curio in Dino Charge. Fun fact for you there. Fucking icon. Alrighty, so let's move on to the Easter eggs. Like Amber said, the institute Dr. Akano got a job at was called the Ishinomori Institute, named after Shotaro Ishinomori, the creator of Super Sentai. But speaking of Dr. Akana, she would have a very iconic line where she says, I tell you, Ollie, only a monster couldn't have fun in Japan. Which, of course, is a reference to the iconic moment in Dino Supercharge where Sledge does some karaoke in Japan singing. Show up your hands, having fun in Japan. Just fun, 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 fun. That line was for the gays because only the gays would get a Dino Charge reference. And lastly, let's talk about a few highlights of the episode. The opening fight is on Mage Balls. Oh my god. That's Netflix money. Zato's running from roof to roof and then he just slides down one of them and the tiles are just flinging all over the place. I'm like, Mwah. that's a way to open a season, bitch. We also see Voidy without his armor and his unmorphed look. It's very leather chain SM daddy realness. Yes, it is. Mm-mm-mm. Void daddy. Alrighty, so that's the end of episode one see how fast that was and now we have 10 more 
<laughs> All right. So episode two, The Festival, written by Johnny Hartman and directed by Robin Grace. Yay, female directors. Okay, so the character focus of the episode is Ion and Zato. And the civilian plot revolves around us learning a little Rafcon holiday called the Three Sons Festival. So the other rangers use that as a way to celebrate their birthday. So they do a little gift giving and then have something called a flargan cake. Sounds like something Rose and Island would make. When we were watching this, it's the scene where they're eating the cakes. I was just like, that's how Zato eats ass. <laughs> You're not wrong. Also, the flargan cake kind of looked like a just made out of like sour gummy worms and they just melted it and just made it a cake. I couldn't tell you what it tastes like. Did the rangers even say like, oh, this tastes like blah, blah, and blah, blah. Maybe Netflix should include like, one of those smell-o-vision uh, cards i mean it worked for spy kids 4 oh yes the box office smash spy kids 4 <laughs> Alrighty, so on to the ranger plot which is just mostly of the rangers fighting a familiar foe and zato defeating him with a brand new weapon that we will talk about in a minute Alrighty, so on to the villain plot so that familiar foe i was talking about was wreckmate arg remember him wreckmate i thought the rangers destroyed you what sewage did you crawl out of Oh, it'd be a tale of woe. The rangers almost had me, I tell ye. There I was, on the seabed, tossed and turned by the currents. And that's when I had to wrestle a squid. Which, yes, you came back. We get it. Wasn't he only in like one episode? He was in one episode and then we thought he was destroyed. Exactly. I'm going to call him Pirate Booty. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So he comes back and pretty much has a dick measuring contest with Slyther as to who can defeat the Dino Fury Rangers first. Then Slyther stupidly is like, bitch, I got a strength potion. And then Pirate is like, yoink, I'll take that. Good, good, good. It's only temporary, though. So he gets to kick some asses for a bit until he drinks all of it. Yeah, he's a pirate. Of course, he's not colic. Alrighty, so let's talk about some introductions. The Dino Chucks, which were nunchucks created by Ollie to give Zeto for the Three Sons Festival. So Ion's like, let me use these myself. So he fucks them up. Dumbass. He literally told you not to use them until they went outside, but he just used them anyway. So Zato uses them to fight Fire Booty, and they just blow up. These are OG weapons, by the way. Another original thing is the Dino Fury Cycle, which was created from the motorcycle Ion got for the Three Sons Festival. And they based it off Zato's coloring and Zord. Alrighty, so let's talk about some Easter eggs, like the Legendary Database. Not my Legendary Database but it is one. They use the legendary database to figure out a way to make a new weapon to fight against pirate booty. We get a few clips to show off some other weapons from different seasons, which include Jaden's Fire Smasher. What's so funny, she's like, I don't know what the power disc is made of. Neither do we, girly. <laughs> Neither do the writers. <laughs> I mean, that's Samurai's fault. They didn't explain shit. Tori's Sonic Finn. That was fun seeing that included. Mm -hmm. Get some Ninja Storm wrap up in there and they didn't have to get some stupid voice sound alike for that. We also get some motorcycles, which inspire the creation of the Dino Fury cycle. So we see the shark cycles from season three of MMPR, which makes dubbing and old dubbing. So there's a scene where we 
have Tommy say something, a new dub, but then Rocky and Billy say something and it's the old dub. What confused me because I'm like, oh, so you can just use the normal audio, but then they just spliced in that random JDF voiceover that wasn't even him. It's just so weird. We don't need dialogue if you can't get it. Just play it silent. We also see the Savage Cycles from Wild Force. Why the fucking Savage Cycles? Couldn't show the fucking cool ass Vector Cycles? I guess not. Gotta get that Wild Force rep in. We also see the Megamorph Cycles from Ninja Steel, which is used as an example to create a bike with strong blasting power girl if you're gonna do anything for your team i would not base it off of ninja steel Alrighty, so some highlights from the episode or a few quotes we got so zato has one of those fish hour water lingo moments where he says burb instead of brb i feel like that's in though people say lol true Alrighty, so that's the end of episode two <laughs> episode three missing pieces or what i would have called this episode let's gaslight so on pretty much jesus Written by Guy Langford and directed by Charlie Haskell. So the character focus of this episode was all on Solon and Zato. So Zato is still trying to find the location of Rafcon and is able to find the old location of it where Rafcon's three sons used to be. He travels there, but Rafcon isn't there anymore. But there is a communication beacon that is indecipherable besides some vague words. But of course they say Rafcon and hope. So we're getting this at a slow burn, people. All right, so on to the ranger plot. So the ranger plot kind of relates to Solon getting a software update, which was mentioned last episode where she kind of does mention that she needs an update. And this is used by the Dino Fury Rangers as a reason why Solon's sporks detecting has been off when it's really something else. So they're essentially gaslighting Solon for being wrong due to her update when she's not. But they apologize when the real reason is Bounce up. Okay, so on to that Valen plot. After a Sporks piece with a very convenient power shows up at Area 62, Slyther reveals that he's recently found a magic amulet, which is just like an orange steering wheel. How is that an amulet? That gives its user the ability to erase a person's memory and changes it. So he uses that to erase the memories of the Dino Fury Rangers a few times to make them think that Sporks they are finding around Pine Ridge were other things, including a juicy green pickle. <laughs> You came looking for Sporex, but you saw zero bad guys, and what looked like a Sporex was just a juicy green pickle. Just a juicy green pickle. Just the juicy green <laughs> they just keep saying it. I love it. The amulet is eventually destroyed, but the three stooges are able to nab a shit ton of storks. But of course, it's not enough to revive Santor. On to the comedic Kwana. Amelia is having back trouble, so she looks up a back massaging video on Buzz Blast, which is just Jane and Jabor doing shenanigans relating to back massaging. But this does help progress the plot as it's revealed that the Dino Fury Rangers were in a fight they do not remember. Alrighty, so introduction. Oculo, which is the Sporex beast that shows up at Area 62 and he has a convenient ability which is able to see at long distances and it's able to get a shit ton of Sporex from Pine Ridge. But he survives until the next episode so we'll be seeing him again next episode. We also see the light battle armor for the first time which is a gorgeous battle armor to break the spell, the steering up with the under. Easter eggs, Amelia mentions a video game called Backstreet Brawler 4 Goblin City which I am to assume is a reference to a game Devin talked about playing Backstreet Brawler 3 in Beast Morphers. There's a better Beast Morphers Easter egg. I know which one you're talking about. All right, and lastly, some highlights and quotes. There was one funny thing Mika 
interested throughout the episode and is talking about a pay raise in vacation time. She is literally my soul. I love her. I mean, I doubt Voidnot is paying them, but it was kind of cute that she did have those little uh, moments in there. A lot of these episodes blend together because we binge them, but there's an episode specifically that we'll get to that has such a funny mucus moment. I could not stop laughing. Oh, I think I know which one you're talking about. So yeah, that's episode three. Solon gets gaslit, the end. Next. Pretty much. Okay, so episode four, Tiny Trouble, written by Maya Thompson and directed by Charlie Haskell. So the character focus of this episode is Ion. Yay! 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 (laughs) So the civilian plot focuses around the Dinofear Rangers turning with balloons, but Ion is sitting on his head eating desserts. You gotta eat those donuts. So then the little baby Paka smash door just comes in waddling in out of nowhere. She literally walked in. She's like, hi, I'm a baby. Help me. So yeah, that happens. So the whole episode is pretty much about this sword. And then Ollie, who's know-it-all in frustration, is actually valid this episode, tells Ion to leave that Paka sword on a leash because she just keeps running away and jumping all over. She's doing parkour off the fuck walls and shit. Like, girly, leave her on a leash, you idiot. Ollie being a prude and the know-it-all is actually valid this episode because he's like, oh, what's Paka gonna do? She's my best buddy. Well, she hasn't seen you for 65 million years bitch and the packet smash sword isn't even the same zord but we'll get to that in a minute so he goes upstairs and he's like oh packa i'm gonna let you go on your leash and then the bitch just runs away but that does reveal that the packa zord is actually the baby of the actual packa smash sword so zords can have babies now i guess i have questions but i don't think i want the answers you know you don't want the answers yeah like i have questions but i'm at peace with that I'm assuming this is just like a Jurassic Park thing where they just mated with themselves or whatever. They probably just reproduce asexually. Yeah, that's what I'm just gonna believe. Yeah. All right, moving on. So Big Mama's pocket smash door is trapped inside a mountain. So they just release him by throwing rocks at it until it gets out of there. And they get a new battle dino key and they team up to destroy Oculo. On to the Velen plot. Oculo has nabbed every single Sporks left in Pine Ridge, which of course isn't enough to feed the Sporks jukebox. So the gang plots to kidnap baby Paka for the Dino Fuel Ranger Sporks. So Pirate Booty and Oculo actually succeed in capturing the little baby for a but they lose it because it just runs off again. Then Pyre Booty gets his ass kicked by Ollie using the Smash Battle Armor, and Oculo is neutralized by the Dino Fury Megazord Smash for an Eastern. Void Knight nabs the Sporex in a really cool shot, by the way, because you see it drop, and then Void Knight teleports in and he just scraps it. That's a cool shot. And then he feeds it to the Sporex jukebox, and finally, it has enough power to heal or do whatever it needs to do to Santora. And then the episode ends with Santora waking up, and then her eyelids just open, and they're just like, Oof, the creepiest fucking eyes ever. Alrighty, on to the comedic corner. Jane and Jayborg are in this episode, so Ion takes the goofy role of the episode. I really want to like Ion, but I don't know what it is. All of his stuff feels forced, but if Ivan or someone said this, I would probably love it. I just don't think the comedy bits work with him. Sometimes they hit, but I think they're trying to do fish out of water, but also very childlike. But then sometimes they want him to act more grown 
covered up, so it's a little bit of a tone whiplash. We'll get to it. There's an episode that I really don't like that has Ion focus. Oh yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. So yeah, back to comedic stuff. We get some shenanigans with them growing a giant can of whipped cream or canned cream and donuts. Alright, so introductions. Like I said, the will baby Packazord and her mama, the Packa Smash Sword. I love them. I stand them. And the Smash Armor, which is the battle armor based on the Packa Smash Sword that gives yeah, it's user strong punching power. Pew 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 pew. Scrobby robots. I love them. So the first one to use it is Ollie. No Easter eggs, but there is one scene that I did like. It's between Ion and Ollie, where Ion assures Ollie that he knows what's up with the Packa Smash Sword. Do you see her? I can't. But hey, she might have gone back to Dino Hinge. Based on what logic exactly? She's scared. She'll go somewhere familiar. I know her. Trust me. Wait. Footprints. They're hers. Heading exactly away from Dino Hinge. There's a lot of calling out in these episodes, and I'm here for that energy. Let's talk about the meat and potatoes somewhat. With episode five, Stitched Up. The best episode, period. It is one of the best episodes of the season so far. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. It's very good stuff. Written by Maya Thompson and directed by Robin Gray. So girl power. Alrighty, so this episode is focused on Izzy. I'm gonna mix the civilian plot and the ranger plot because they intertwine. It's prom time in Pine Ridge. So the lesbians adorably ask each other to the prom. We then finally get our first introduction to Mama Garcia, who overhears this and asks them if they could create their fits for prom, which Izzy seems a little hesitant at first because she knows that she might want to make her a dress for prom but she's like girl i know your style cut to later in the episode where the outfits are done and we learn that izzy got a dress but there's one little thing that i thought was cute and i was like a dress for real what's wrong it's gorgeous yeah i'd wear it but izzy not so much and reveals that her mom used to dress her up as a kid in these dresses which made her gag because she's a lesbian she then throws it in the garbage i was like oh okay maybe that was a little too much you didn't have to throw that dress in the garbage but i see where izzy's going with that though it was very triggering what i thought was funnier is that she throws it away and not like two seconds later the guy comes to pick it up really and he's complaining like oh tell your boss that you gotta put your garbage out in the front i'm not coming back here again today calm down extra all right so then we immediately learn the fits were actually switched because fern sends her a text and is like lol i got your green tuxedo but then izzy's like oh shit i threw out fern's dress so they head to the dump which conveniently is the place where the ranger fight is so they go digging through the garbage cans after the fight and it's like oh it's ruined so then izzy has to go to her mom and admit this so, did you light your tuxedo? I guess the bags got mixed up somehow. I ended up with the dress you made for Fern. This must be my mistake, sorry, dear. I kind of thought the dress was for me. I got mad and... I threw it out. Oh, Izzy. I totally overreacted. I understand, honey. I know it took me a while. I used to think you were like I was growing up. I love pretty dresses and fancy hats. 
parents don't always get things right. But I learned you're your own person. And I really love who you are, Izzy. I'm a very lucky mom. This is the serotonin I needed. Okay, but the way her mom was like, I know it took me a while. And I was like, oh my gosh. I was tearing up. This show is really good about how they're treating Izzy and all her queerness. The writers are getting it. Hasbro is feeding us. Continue to feed us. Alright, so the two collab on a new dress for Fern, and the two end up going to the prom in style, where Javi rents out a limo for the events. Oh, and there's Ranger stuff, I guess. Whatever. Whatever, fuck that. The lesbians! All this stuff was so good. I loved it. Loved it. Loved it. I ate it the F up. It was so good. Let's go, lesbians! Let's go! Let's go, lesbians! Let's go! Let's go, lesbians! Let's go! So yes, let's go, lesbians! Let's go! Here we go, lesbians! Here we go, lesbians! Come on! This is the stuff I've been waiting for the show to do for years, and Hasbro's finally letting these writers write what they want and tell queer stories and gender stories, honestly, about how a girl doesn't want to dress in a feminine dress. 10 out of 10. Alrighty, so let's talk about the villain plot. After a union with his lady love, Void Knight reveals he wants to build a device called a Zorjimmer, but needs parts to complete it. Coincidentally, a Sporks pops out of the Sporks jukebox that could accomplish just that. How convenient. When Junklo gets all the parts he needs, Voinite then orders him to be used as a distraction so that he can collect data on the Dino Fury Megazord Pekka Smash formation and succeeds. So everything's coming up roses for the villains in this episode. Good on you girls. Voinite also has a cool fight with the Garcia Sibs and Ion. Go King. I mean Knight. We're not a king yet. I'm gonna be started. Alright, on to the comedic corner. So a lot of the humor this episode comes from the Sporksby's Junkalo and how bad his breath is, with Mika's trying to cure the bad breath mints a big toothbrush to the extent of Junglo just being fed up with it and he just straight up eats mucus that was uncalled for i didn't need vor in this episode guys what's that you don't know what vor is no it's eating people and getting aroused by it oh okay it's kind of like a cannibalism cake uh did army hammer direct this episode what's going on but there was also a funny moment where mucus is fed up with Junkalo's breath in the dump. So she finds a gas mask and there's a scene of her wearing a gas mask and it's so cute. Alrighty, so on to introductions. Santora, kind of. So after episode, an episode, an episode of seeing Santora vibing in that stasis pod. Fucking Nora Freeze. And she's awake and she wants revenge. She subtly mentions, after getting a fierce crimson colored outfit, by the way, the humans taking something from them and taking... Tarek. Yes, we finally get Void Knight's name this episode. His name is Tarek. Love it. What a dork. He's so hot, though. She suggests to Tarek that they use the Sporks Beast to get revenge. I see you're recovering nicely. So much has happened since the accident. You're doing well. I see you command the Sporks Beasts. <laughs> You've been spying on me, my love. Then you know I've made good progress with my Zord Jammer. Yes, but why stop there? With the power of the Sporks Beast, you could get revenge. Revenge? On who? Have you forgotten what the humans took from us? No. I'll never forget. But I don't want or need revenge. I just want to leave this planet. He just wants to fucking leave, girl. I'm living for Santora, by the way. Shocker, female villain. Love me a strong, fierce, and shady female villain that wants revenge. Santora's fine, but 
girl yes wait also we are introduced to rena garcia this episode the mother of izzy and stepmother to javi who is a fashion designer and i guess she mentions that she was out of town so that's the reason i guess she hasn't been around since now she's been out of town for like a year and a half i guess this is the first time we've seen her she mentions being out of town she also has the exact same outfit as ollie's mom but in a different color same hat same blouse but in different colors also the sporks beast of the week junkalo who is voiced by michael sassenti who voiced game face and dino supercharge he's just eating shit making new parts for void night but let's talk about some easter eggs yes. when izzy and fern are walking home from school and are about to ask each other to prom they mention a tv show called kung fugitive starring steel silva so something to talk about. It's that new show, Kung Fugitive, right? That dude, Steel Silva, is so good in it. Yeah, he can really kick butt. Our boy is thriving. Ugh. He's finally grown into a himbo. I hope. I swear to God, if they're just cock teasing us with a reference and don't show Steel this season, I'm going to lose it. The actor that plays Steel lives in New Zealand, so there's no excuse to bring him back. We're lucky we got this little dangle. I know, but come on. You brought back Mick. You're getting Commander Shaw. Give us Steel. They're just gonna just keep edging you. Also, Javi kind of simps for him too, which I was like, oh yes. We talking Kung Fugitive? I can't believe the way he takes on that mob boss. And... I said no spoilers. Oh, sorry. Just another reason for me to love him more. The Black Rangers are bi. It's just fact. Look at the material chase. Dylan. Adam gives bi energy. He has an earring. Okay, moving on. I'm just saying it's hint. They're all bi. Or at least most of them are anyways. 99.9% .9 of them are bi. And I would know. All right, so on to highlights and quotes. Javi gets seized the blazing battle armor for the first time this episode. We also get a peek of Amelia's new show, Mystery Buzz. Lastly, there's a kick Ollie while he's down moment I enjoyed where Ollie brags about how he picks out his own clothes since he was five and Amelia's like, you're wearing that shirt inside out. You tell him, girl. Put him in his place. Alrighty, so let's move on to episode six. Jam session. Back to back bangers. Written by Johnny Hartman, Becca Barnes, and Ellen Dale, and directed by Robin Grace. So the character focus of this episode is of Harvey. Finally. I know. Damn. He backburner. I know for real, but he makes up for it, that's for sure. Alright, so let's talk about the civilian plot. So Harvey's just jamming with his little guitar buzz blast, and then Warren Garcia walks in and is like, Guitar. Another day, another instrument. How many is it now? Five, six? You know I like trying new musical instruments. Or are you just unfocused? Do you have any idea what you want? Thanks for the support. And then he's like, well, anyways, here's a suit for the medal I'm getting from the mayor. What's the medal for? Worst dad in Pine Ridge? All right, so while Warden Garcia is still being a douchebag father, there's a rock band named the Screaming Zombies performing at Buzz Blast, and Javi performs with them, which is really good, by the way, in exchange for something I'll mention in a sec, but this performance happens at the same time D-Bag Garcia is getting a stupid little medal. So, of course, he berates Javi for not being there to support him. Also, that was part of his job, though. He works at Buzz Blast. I can understand it if he did blow him off because i mean you made a promise to be there but also you're at work and you're filling in for something at work i also feel like izzy was kind of dumb because she pulled up that live stream right next to him he wasn't gonna see it girly she's like go hobby you want to say it any louder bitch but then hobby fucking pops off so 
Playing guitar is more important than my once-in-a-career award ceremony. I, I had to play with them. The Rangers, they... Son, if you don't want to support me, just say so. You're such a hypocrite. Excuse me? You want me to support you and your medal? But you don't support me at all. When I tell you, and I use terms very loosely all the time. I say words all the time to where they have no meaning. But when I tell you I was gagged and gooped the house down Versace boots, girl, I was. Same, same. I was like, oh, he's finally standing up for himself. He called his father a hypocrite. When he said hypocrite, I was like, <gasps> It's so warm. Oh my god, it was so good. I kind of wish he just had a microphone in his hand and he just dropped it and then just left the scene. <laughs> Jane then comes in. Yes, comic relief. Jane shows up to tell Warden Garcia about Javi's talent and shows him the performance, which leads to him apologizing and finally promises to support and accept his musical endeavors. Ugh. I think they tried to redeem him where he was like, I didn't think you were really that serious about it. I agree. Because this whole fucking season we have to see every time he shows up, it's like, oh, you stupid instrument, you stupid romantic, you stupid guitar. Give me that guitar back, even though I pay for it. Izzy Breeze. And he's like, oh my God, Izzy, you're amazing. You're the best. I love you, queen. Which like, same. But <laughs> there was a lot of hypocrisy there. And I love that he got called out for it. Part of me kind of wish they kind of mentioned that, but I don't want Izzy being thrown under the bus because Javi and Izzy do support each other. Those two are two adults fighting. She's a child still, so whatever. And go for Jane being supportive too. I really loved that scene. I love that they use Jane beyond just the stupid comic relief shit. She's like, bitch, this performance was our best hit ever. Warren Garcia had a really good arc. Build that progress and we got some good payoff. I hated his ass. And then in another episode after this one, I was like, oh, he's so cute. They did a heel face turn. Alrighty, so on to the ranger plot so the ranger plot of this episode includes the lead singer of screaming zombies blair played by the actor that played shelby's art friend julian from dino charge having the terra freeze dino key as a necklace which he reveals after exclaiming his love for pancakes by showing off his shirt that says world biggest pancake fan and those are pancakes mind you not flapjacks there's a difference there actually is a difference and i did not know that we were re-watching the episode and austin was like is there a difference between pancakes and flapjacks and they looked it up and yeah, there is i guess he said the line and i was like they're the same fucking thing and then i looked it up and i was like oh they're not <laughs> flapjacks are baked and pancakes are cooked in a pan there you go. But also pancakes are made from a thick batter and flapjacks are made from oats and butter or something. So the Dino Fury Rangers attempt to get the key from Blair and get it from him in exchange for Javi playing guitar on their Buzz Blast livestream performance. Then Solon uses the key to find the location of the Terra Free Zord, which is trapped in a mountain in Blackwood Valley. Yet again, another Zord trapped in a mountain. So Javi punch, punch, punches it out with the smash battle armor and Zato uses the freeze key to fight Void Knights. Okay, so on to the the villain plot. Voidy has the conversation with Santora again. She's like, Why am I cooped up in here? Because it's safe. The creatures I command respect strength. I must hide my face and wear this armor to maintain control of them. If they sense any weakness, we'll be destroyed. You mean the three stooges are gonna destroy you if they know you're a human? Get the fuck out. Two of which are things you've created, by the way. He created Slither and Rickman, and Yukas is just a baby. Just a baby. 
She then suggests they use the Spork's power to power up, and Voidy's like, nah, we just need to get the fuck out of here. So Voidy begins his plan to activate the Zord Jammer, while at the same time, Doom Snake reforms the Spork's piece that was destroyed in the Mick episode. So that adds a little muscle to the fight. Then the Zord Jammer successfully jams all the Zord, until Mika's overhears that there's a new Zord the Dynafear Rangers are looking for. So they head out there to stop them. While Centaur's like, mm, everybody's gone, then just play with the Spork's jukebox. Wonder what's going on over there. So yeah, fight, fight, fight happens. Doomsnake is neutralized again. Void Knight gets his ass kicked by Zato. And the Zord Jammer is droid by the Terra Freeze Zord battle mode. But then the villains return to Area 62, where we learn Santora has been doing something with the Sporg's jukebox, turning her into something we'll talk about in a minute. All right, so let's talk about introductions. The Terra Freeze Zord. The Terra Freeze Zord is a gorgeous translucent blue pterodactyl themed zord that can freeze anything and has a battle mode that is similar to it with wings which is the freeze battle armor which zato uses to fly and fight boy knight zord jammer the zord jammer is exactly what it's called a zord jammer painted by slyther and jams all the zords till the dynafear rangers use a new zord against it to destroy the terra free zord also everyone talks about how ugly it is which yeah it's very ugly all right lastly let's talk about the best thing that i've introduced this episode void queen hello terry centaur no i am more than centaur more than i ever thought possible <laughs> This is the power of the Sporks. I am Void Queen! <laughs> so Void Queen is a form of Santora takes after she had it with hiding in the secret room and powers herself up with Sporks energy, transforming herself into Void Queen to an after revenge on humanity. And all I have to say is, yes, Queen. She's messy. Why do you say that? Because she wants revenge so bad that she warped herself with Sporex. But I mean, the form she takes is pretty fabulous, though. Let's finally reuse those two Kuger suits that we've been meaning to use for, like, ever. So let's not waste that design. So yes, Void Queen suit is actually taken from the unadapted Sentai Russia Sentai Tokyuger, similar to how Ninja Steel used Cosmo Royale. But she is untouched. That is exactly how she looks Tokyuger. Which I'm honestly glad they're using, because that suit is gorge. And that means we are definitely... Definitely never getting Tokyuger. They use two main villains. We're not going to do that. So yeah, Void Queen slays. I love her. Alrighty, so highlight. Oh my god, there's a fight in this episode I have to mention. So Javi has a fight in his Smash Battle armor against Doom Snake, And the choreo in this fight is... Mwah. So Javi punches Doom Snake into the air. And Javi jumps to punch him down. And he explodes. Then Javi jumps down to do a Koichi Sakamoto ex explosion right after and I repeat. Alrighty, so that's the end of episode six. On to episode seven, New Leaf, written by Maya Thompson and directed by Robin Grace. The character focus for this episode is Ollie and Amelia. So Ollie is talking to his mama on Skype and Ollie calls mom his best friend before she reveals that his former teacher, Professor Drake Floyd, is in town and is being interviewed by Amelia for Buzz Blast. So like clockwork, of course, he walks in right after 
and to Ollie being a shady know-it-all to Amelia. But then, the goopery of it all, Professor Floyd essentially calls out Ollie for his attitude and know-it-all traits and reveals that the reason why he never had any friends at the Academy was he was essentially know-it-all and nobody wanted to be around him. <laughs> and Ollie tries to make an excuse like, oh, everyone's just jealous of me. So after some fuck-ups from him and not trusting Amelia, he admits that he was a know-it-all with an attitude and apologized to Amelia for the way he acted this whole time. Hey. Hey. I just wanted to say thank you for your help with the antidote. I couldn't have done it without you. You know, we make a pretty good team. Yeah, true. That's why I'm really sorry for mocking your bracelet and all the other things I made fun of. I respect you and I shouldn't have been such a jerk. Apology accepted. You know this doesn't change anything. Let me guess, you're still gonna prove ghosts are real. You bet, and you're gonna help. I already ordered you a spook snare. I hope pink's okay, it's the only color they have. It's fine, I can deal with pink. The journey from him being an asshole the whole season to him humbling by someone he respects and then turns around and becomes a better friend and a person, which is delicious. I love it. It's good. I don't like where they're going with that, but I like what they did for Ollie's character. Yeah, because they're clearly going down the route of these two are going to be together by the end. These are heteros. I do not ship that whatsoever, especially because of how toxic they were, honestly, in season one. But that's like your classic enemies to lovers kind of thing where they're just kind of antagonistic but they're like wait I don't actually hate you at all to be fair Charlie was the same and we love Charlie but there is a difference between enemies to lovers where they're kind of just always kind of butting heads but Ollie was very specifically mean to Amelia all the time like maybe that's his character arc is him learning that he was a huge ass and he's becoming a better person and a better friend because that's a real journey that people take though they'd start out kind of douchey and you figure out oh hey I'm not likable his character arc is him getting humbled by someone he respects all right so the ranger plot is similar ollie is being a know-it-all and he's trying to make an antidote and he fucks it up and then turns solon into a tree and then amelia helps him to make the antidote while the dinofear rangers are fighting the sporks beast of the week with void knight coming in for the assist revealing some tidbits about the sporks beast and revealing the existence of void queen with them later questioning why he helped them all right let's talk about the villain plot so void queen is just leading the baddies now no question from the others like who the fuck she is she's not as good as madame odious but i still love her what (laughs) i'm gonna slap you in the mouth for that so then she just uses her telekinetic finger to summon a sports piece out of this jukebox squash blight to make the human suffer void knight's like hey 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 calm down why are you doing this to the humans i never attacked humans which i guess is kind of valid but you caused some damage which void queen actually calls out is like hurting the humans is unnecessary that was never a problem when you were gathering sporex i wasn't trying to harm people i needed sporex energy to help you 
All that for some pussy? But then she's like, oh, baby, can you go to the city and make the humans suffer by turning the trees across? Because they took my baby. Uh. They took our baby, Amelia. I mean, what? So yeah, they go to the pool and turn humans into trees. No tree girl, but there is a tree girl. And Voynight looks guilty after seeing a father lament her daughter being her. Gee, I wonder why they did that. No way. I'm gonna laugh so hard if this speculation doesn't fan out to be anything. They clearly are putting in the work about how Tarek and Santora lost something very dear to them and they want to make the humans suffer. What else could it be? I'm just saying, it would be really funny. The second pop-up said he worked in Area 62 and he also said in the same episode, her parents disappeared through mysterious circumstances. I'm like, okay, Void Knight's the daddy right after that reveal with Santora. So yeah, then Void Queen then orders them to do more damage by attacking the city's water supply to turn everyone into trees but Voidy's like no and then he's like beep I got a ship we can get the fuck out of here but Void Queen is like bloop and destroys it with her finger because she really wants to make the humans suffer and then she attacks Void Knight with her finger bloop boop boop <laughs> Alrighty, so then Pirate Booty and Squash Blight attempt to infect Pungridge's water supply, but are stopped, and Squash Blight is neutralized by a new Zora termination, with Zato saying he would have made a really good pie. Alrighty, on to the comedic corner. So Jane and Jayborg actually get some comedic stuff this episode, with them attempting to find Opal the Octopus in the community pool, which actually was revealed to be in the pool after some shenanigans, and takes a taxi somewhere. That was so stupid. It was pretty good. This is probably the goofiest thing they've ever done. And that's saying a lot. I think that's the one thing I was just like, that was so stupid. But they make up for it because Jane is then turned into a tree woman by Squash Bite. But not Jay Borg, because to quote her. There's some kind of toxin in the pool. Well, this is why everyone should be an android like me. Fortunately for us, she's cured and Jane Bohr goes in for the hug. Lesbians! I ship it. Alrighty, so let's talk about some introductions. The Terrorex Zorg, which is an ugly fucking combo of the Terrafree Zord and the T-Rex Champion Zord. So it's essentially a T-Rex with pterodactyl wings, which is kind of creepy. It's very Electro Zord from last season. Did I undesign this too? Terra Smash Zord is also introduced this episode, which is a combo of the Terrafree Zord, the Paka Smash Zord, and the T-Rex Champion Zord. And lastly, there's Squash Blight, voiced by John Lee, who also voices Pirate Booty. Why the fuck? Was this not used for a Halloween episode? This monster straight up screams, Use me for a Halloween episode! He has a fucking pumpkin umbrella. And Mucus even mentions it. He's like, oh, is it, is it Halloween already? I wish it was. Because that Halloween episode we got was not Halloween. It was some good content, but Halloween it was not. But I feel like maybe they couldn't do it because this episode is very far through Soldier. They've got all their Zords pretty much at this point, And that was season one. Just use the monster. I don't give a fuck. Also, there's not a Halloween episode this season, so... If they did double duty with the holiday specials, they would have done it. Alrighty, so on to Easter Egg. There's this bullet point on a screen during Amelia's interview with Professor Floyd that says, The Future! And the first letter of each bullet point spells out S-P... D. Alright, on to highlights and quotes. Void Queen is just being a fucking savage. Just wanted to point that out. And I love that I only got humbled this episode. Okay, so on to my probably least favorite episode this season. The worst episode. Uh, yeah. 
It had some good stuff still. It's good for Ion, at least. So it's written by Johnny Hartman, directed by Caroline Belbooth. And the character focus is Ion. So you know it's a flop already. Get out of here. I like him. He's a good boy. Alrighty, so the civilian plot, Lord, the civilian plot, is Buzz Vlad is about to reach 10 million subscribers and the feed gets hacked by some jigsaw wannabe telling really bad jokes. And I mean really bad jokes. I've got some cracking jokes for you. How do scientists freshen their breath? With experiments. <laughs> what has four wheels and flies? A garbage truck. <laughs> okay, I have a fear of clowns, but these jokes? Even more terrifying. And this is Power Rangers. When the show acknowledges punny bad jokes are bad, that's when you know they're bad. In what context? A website that is like BuzzFeed that has 10 million subscribers that this 10-year-old kid hacks just to tell some stupid puns? What in the fuck? But the thing is, though, is it's not completely unbelievable. She did mention she did a lot of tech classes. Younger kids are basically born with cell phones in their hands nowadays. It's not that far of a stretch, especially if a kid was really interested in it and maybe is a little bit of a savant. I think it would have been more believable if it was a teenage character and not a nine or ten year old. That part didn't piss me off. It's the stupid jokes. I thought the jokes were funny. They weren't funny because they were trying to be cringe in the context. But then Ion makes it fucking worse by being like, We have millions of subscribers watching our live stream every day and they're just going to get color bars and some weirdos bad jokes? Did we hear the same jokes? Experiments? You see, because scientists do We all get it. Ion? You wouldn't know those are bad jokes because he is laughing his ass off the whole episode. Well, I mean, to him, it's probably funny. It's a very fish out of water thing. I'm just waiting for the point where his character actually grows. It's just kind of annoying too because it does feel like a repeat kind of character arc because they were doing that with Zato in season one and they just did the same exact thing which I get it in context because they're both that same alien fish out of water thing but we already saw this alrighty so back to the civilian plot the hacker girl in the clown mask offers a deal where they'll give them back control of the feed if they give her her own show we'll give you your own show just so you can reveal your identity and then turn you over to the fucking police the way Jane was talking about it she was like hmm I'll let you audition for Buzz Blast laughs. I mean, I'm not going to offer you an actual show. I'll give you an audition, though, and maybe you'll get your own show after. But yeah, the girl's revealed after Ion bumps into her in the park and he reads her mind. First of all, that's another thing, because if you're going to tell me that this 10 year old girl is so smart that she hacked into this website that has 10 million subscribers, but then she's fucking sloppy and just telling random people on the street the same jokes she used in her blackmail video? Another plausible alibi is maybe she heard it in the video. Stop. You can only defend so much. (laughs) Ion didn't get it completely until he read her mind. But then he used that as the excuse of finding out her identity. And then he took her fucking clown mask out of her backpack. But then he's like, okay, I'm gonna steal the wheel off your bicycle if you don't come back with me. Alright, so that's the Sif stuff. She helps bring back the feed up, blah blah blah. She's offering an audition to Buzz Blast Labs. We'll never see her again. So on to the Ranger plot. So the Ranger plot is mostly fight, fight, fight with the Sporks piece of the week track and slash until Void Knight comes in for the assist. But with 
with Zato questioning his tensions. Zato was aggressive. <laughs> Alright, on to the Venom plot. So Void Queen is looking for Void Nine after he helped the Dino Fury. Anderson summons the Sporks Beast, Track and Slash, to aid in the assist, while Pirate Booty reveals he's working on another project. Void Knight, who's trying to blend in, mind you, wearing a leather harness with spikes and leather gloves. That fucking outfit's the real crime of this episode. I thought it was hot. He was trying to blend in and he's wearing that? He's going to Folsom Street Fair. If you're gonna wear a harness, wear a harness, not two shitty belts you got from Five Below. They're not gonna put him in a harness on Power Rangers. They're just trying to make him look cool and not dress him like an old man. Oh, oh, I forgot to mention, he's also wearing a fanny pack. He also has some random drum he puts into Buzz Blast. What was the point of that? I guess they did that so Void Knight could find out if there's an attack going on because he doesn't have his other computers. He wants to help, I guess, and Buzz Blast is the place where the Ranger hotlines, so they get the calls from there. But it didn't show that. It just showed him spying on the Rangers talking about him. But the twink in the purple hoodie was like, oh, the Rangers are getting into a fight and they're losing. Alright, so also from the villains, yeah, they fight, fight, fight. Track and Slash is destroyed. But Slyther, after he sees Void Knight, says, So that's Void Knight casual? On to the comedic corner. Jane does some wacky dancing as a part of the 10 million sub lead up. She does one at the beginning where she's kind of embarrassed because Jay Borg accidentally send in the feet of her practicing the dances and it's all goof and goof goof. She's falling, she's dipping, she's dashing. And then she's like, oh no, that's my twin sister. And then some random voice is like, you don't have a twin sister. And she's like, she lives in New Zealand. The other one is after they get the feet up and Jane fucking slays in that glittery gold cabaret looking fit. Also, Jaybork has a funny moment where she scares Jane after putting on the clown mask. I'd like to keep it on, please. I'd like to keep it on, please. Mother, may I? No. We've been watching a lot of Drag Race recently, can't you tell? Alrighty, so introductions of this episode. Track and Slash, voiced by Stephen Butterworth, who voiced Prince Vicar in Super Mega Force and Meteor in Dino Charge. He's just there to look for Voidy, for Void Queen, and he gets neutralized by him and Zato using the Smash Battle Llama. No Easter eggs. Some highlights. Zato uses the Smash battle armor for the first time. Also, Javi has a funny reaction to one of his own quips where he's like, Sniffing out trouble? You just found a whole steaming pile of it. (gasps) Oh, that came out wrong. Alrighty, so on to episode nine, The Hunt. Written by Maya Thompson and directed by Caroline Bell Booth. So the character focus for this episode is Amelia, kind of, and Zato. So on to the civilian plot. Amelia assigned a new assignment for Mystery Buzz after Jean and Jayborg witness a ghost sighting. So of course, Amelia and the rest of the team, including Ollie, head out to the location of the ghost sighting. This is put on hold due to the ranger plot of the episode, but get back after the ranger shenanigans, where we learn the ghost was actually a hologram that some street magician was using to practice on one of his magic tricks. So Amelia loses that content. Alrighty, so Ranger plot. Continuing from last episode, Voinite is trying to convince the Dino Fury Rangers he's not a threat. And all the shit he did was to save his wife. And he, then he goes on about Void Queen, blah, blah, blah. We know that. Zato, though, is not having it at all. And he's like, bitch, I do not believe you at all. So you unleash the Sporex on Earth, risking the destruction of an entire planet just to save one person? Yes, but- And we're supposed to believe that you're suddenly so noble. Zato, he did already help us once. After trying to destroy us dozens of times, 
I don't blame you for doubting me. But know this. If you choose to let me help you, I'll be here. We don't want your help! Zato, I wouldn't be talking. Sporks came from your home planet. Because of your fucking mistake? Okay, bitch. You're the one that called it! That was his call! I wanna be talking, bitch! So four of the Dino Fury Rangers are captured shortly after, and Javi's like, mm, maybe we can get some Voidy assist. And Zato's like, no, people don't change that much. Javi then lists examples from the last two episodes where his dad and Ollie both had focus where they changed, so props to the writers for that buildup. Y'all remember that scene in Bridesmaids where they're, like, meeting up to play tennis? It's funny how people change, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I don't know, do people really change? Mm, I think they do. Yeah, but I mean, they still stay who they are, pretty much. I think we change all the time. I think we stay the same, but grow, I guess, a little bit. I think if you're growing, then you're changing. But I mean, we're changing from who we are, which we always stay as. Mm, not really. I don't think so. I think so. I don't. <laughs> it was right that. Javi then goes without Zato, but only for a second until Zato captured himself. Javi then solo morphs, yay for solo morphs, we barely get those nowadays, to fight Snag Eye, but Javi gets captured too, so Voidy is like, well shit, I guess I'll do this shit myself and fight Snag Eye enough so Zato can escape. Sidebar about the solo morph thing, why do we have to fight to get those now? We used to struggle through three minutes of solo morphs every episode. Now we're lucky to get one for each ranger nowadays the less time they spend on morphing the more time they have for story absolutely but i think in the first episode the first time they morph they should always use the full morph all right then zato would be like okay i guess you're good voidy which i give the writers for not completely trusting him at the get because we've gotten those moments literally ninja steel princess vier is introduced and literally the first time she goes out for a fight she's like okay i'm good now remember that these writers were not gonna do that they actually build up the stuff it's same writers though too. Maybe they don't have Haim Saban. Yeah, Saban was like, only comic funny bulk and skull moments only. No story, no character arcs. Only Mighty Morphin shenanigans only. Yeah, because he really had to prove himself. It was like some Megan shit in Beast Morphers. He had to really fucking be dragged through the coals to get that redemption. So then we learn that Voidy's armor was actually used from the Dino Knight Morpher and Key. So Voidy, now referred to as Tarek, gives Zeta the Morpher and the Key to Morphin to Dino Knight mode to destroy Snag Eye. Gorgina. So onto the Venom plot, Void Queen and her crew set out Snag Eye to capture all the rangers and succeeds until they don't when Void Queen capturing Tarek before he can say anything juicy. We needed that tea, but Void Queen wasn't going to let us get it just yet. Also, Mucus does the robot. Beep boop, beep boop. Onto the comedic corner, which was really good this episode. I made an edit on Twitter. I the ranger team so jane is roller skating with jay borg power walking behind her which of course hilarity ensuing with jane falling into things including a cart of cabbage and oh my god i can't believe they did this but somebody says yes someone says my cabbages some motherfucker is an avatar the last airbender fan so jane and jay borg are witness to the ghost shenanigans and jane would later channel her inner olivia newton john when the ghost shows up at buzz blast and flies off the second floor xanadu style to attack the ghost but womp womp it's fake all right let's some talk about some introductions first up is snag eye voiced by steve mccleary who voiced the stone triplets and i think is an adr writer so snag eye is the new bot sent by void queen to capture the dino fury 
Avengers and successfully does until Voidy comes to save the day. And after he gives the Dynamorpher to Zato, he gets his ass kicked and he gets his blast blown up. And also he's a simp for Void Queen, which valid. I mean, honestly, who isn't? Have you seen her titties? It's funny because when Sagai was waking up, he was like, my name is Sagai, but you can call me your servant. I was kind of like, I wish he said, you can call me anytime. Ooh, that would have been smooth. And lastly, something introduced in this episode is Dino Night Mode, which is gorgeous. So yeah, Dino Mode was originally Zato's big power-up that Void Knight somehow found and used to make the Void Knight armor. Like I said, it's gorgeous. And of course, she looks like a knight. And I love the coloring, which is super gorge too. It's like a super shiny dark red and oomph. So good. Top tier battleizer. So now Easter eggs, but there are some funny moments in this episode when they're all inside Snagai. Izzy, when she is inside of it, she's like, don't say we're in Snagai. And all he says, we're in Snagai. And Izzy's like, what did I just say? Ion, of course, is a big dum-dum and tries to blast his way out of Snagai, which of course bounces off the walls and hits the poor box. It's funny though, because he's like, sorry, box. There's also another back and forth with Izzy and Ollie where Izzy mentions he's never been signed of robot before. And Ollie's like, we pilot Megazords like twice a week. That was funny. And lastly, another thing to mention is the music. Like the scene between between Tarek and Zato is like kind of melodic and angelic. It's like, That's exactly what it was like. Such an upgrade from the past 10 years of music from No McDaniel. You did a really good He-Man song, but Power Rangers song, you're just not it at. I feel like all the music was forgettable. I wouldn't even notice there's music really. And then Ninja Steel, they kept fucking up and he was just reusing the samurai theme for some reason. Yeah, and... he redid the samurai song and just added new lyrics to it. Let's move on to episode 10, Losers Weepers. Written by Guy Langford and directed by Caroline Bellbooth. So the character focus of this episode is Izzy and Ion. So let's talk about the civilian plot. Ion and Izzy are pulling a ninja storm and doing some BMX tricks in the woods until Ion bops Izzy and wrecks her butt. Shortly after this, they find an abandoned Area 62 truck with two cases in them. Izzy's case is a dog collar, which he thinks is useless, so she just throws it away. When Ion finding a case full of money, just a bunch of $10 bills in there. <laughs> I love that that was just left there. I wonder if we'll see a scene, like a flashback to how that ended up there. Maybe Pop-Up just ran away with Fucking pop pop, I swear to God. Oh, he's in this episode too, by the way. We'll talk about that in a minute. Izzy then tries to be like, hey, give me some of that money, Heaney. But Ion's like, no, because a minute ago, before she opened her dog collar trunk, she was like, finders, keepers, losers, weepers. So Ion uses that cash money to buy some gold colored dripping Pine Ridge. So he gets a gold jacket. He gets gold shoes. He gets a gold watch. He gets gold headphones. He gets a gold tablet. He probably gets gold underwear for all we know. I think the only thing I liked that he bought was the jacket. That was kind of she. However, Ion doesn't feel good about buying all this shit until <sighs> Pop-Up shows up to give Ion a lesson of the day about money doesn't buy happiness, blah, blah, blah. So Ion starts giving shit away. Why did that have to come from Pop-Pop? It's like, yeah, money doesn't buy happiness, but you know what does? Stealing a baby that doesn't belong to you. And then raising it as your own. Yeah, thanks, Pop-Pop. Thanks, Pop-Pop. You created the villain plot. You're the reason why Void Queen wants to see the world burn. All right, so sidebar, he gives a skateboard to a kid with his mother there, and she's like, 
What do you say? Girl, this is my mother. And some weird guy showed up to just hand me a skateboard. My mom would kick him in the balls. That's because your mom is Jersey. So anyways, Ian apologizes to Izzy and uses the rest of the money he has left to buy her a new bike. Aww. That's nice. She was kind of cruddy there for a bit to him in the episode. So I mean, she was really getting her just desserts. She was a brat. She was like, this is mine. And then he bought her a new bike anyway. He's still doing a good thing. She was just being a little bit bratty. I mean, this was a good eye episode, I will admit. Yeah, I liked him in this episode. All right, so on to the ranger plot. The Dino Fury Rangers are having a hard time with a new Sporks beast, so Solon suggests they form the Primal Ultrasword. But there's a problem with that. The Primal Ultrasword is the formation we see in the flashback that blew up in the past. It was featured in the moment they gave us. It's too powerful! The Ultrasword's gonna blow! So Solon suggests they do blah 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 science stuff to fix that problem, but they need the Moza key, but Ian's too busy spending his cash money, so Izzy's like, shit, I'll get him, and they have their heart-to-heart and neutralize the Sporks Beast. Okay, so on to the Venom plot. Oh my god. Oh my god, it was so funny. So Void Queen has put Tarek in her old stasis tank thingy, but doesn't tell her cohorts about it because she asks about their progress in finding Void Knight. Just a little weird. So anyways, Mikas presents Void Queen with a collar that makes its user grow, so she summons a Sporks Beast from the jukebox, who is the sister of a Sporks Beast, I can't remember the name of it at the moment, to wear it to defeat the Dino Fear Rangers. This thing fails, of course, because... You know, Power Rangers, but... Void Queen refers to herself as... I am Void Queen, mother of Sporex. Hi, Mom! I'm ready to serve! All right, here comes the part you were talking about. This is the best content in the whole season, period. So Mucus is the comic relief of the episode and has some really funny moments. I want to talk about the first one. Okay. So Mucus finds that collar that Izzy just threw to the side and she puts it on and it makes her grow giant. And this flock of birds comes near her and she's just like, Oh, hi birds! Get a good look at me! But maybe not so close. <laughs> okay, back off. Get out of my face, you vultures! Oh my god, it was so funny. I just love how she went from like 10 to like 100 in the span of like a second. Pretty much. Yeah, my face, you vultures! She then presents the collar to Void Queen, who is more of a cat person, and tells Mucus to give the collar to this episode's Sporks Beast. Give Slapnarok the collar. But it's mine! Finders keepers, right? Wrong. Lastly, Void Queen orders Mikas to recharge the collar and is like, but why? Until Void Queen preps her finger up and she's like, okay, good point, bye. Oh, Mikas was a 10 out of 10 this episode. Alrighty, so some introductions. Flapnerock. Voiced by Penny Ashton, who also voiced Leisure in Dino Supercharge and Phrygia in Dino Thunder. So yeah, she's into those, those dinosaur season monsters. So Flapnerock is the sister of Drachnerock, joke included who is summoned by Void Queen to use the Grow Collar to grow super big to destroy Pine Ridge. She causes some major damage in Pine Ridge and really wants to eat New York City, but is destroyed by the Primal Ultrasword. She also calls Void Queen Mom, which was cute. I mean, sorry, Mommy. Mom, sorry, Mommy. Mommy, sorry, Mommy. Lastly, the Primal Ultrasword is introduced. It's a super powerful formation that, to quote old school black, is too powerful. So they do some science stuff to make it work. And it's so fucking powerful. 
powerful that they blast Flapton Rock so hard that it makes a crater on the moon. Alrighty, so some highlights and quotes. Ollie and Amelia are having a shipping moment where they're rubbing each other's swords. <laughs> Javi says, no noms for you. I love that. Also, there's a cool camera shot that's in Flapton Rock's POV during a fight scene, which is really cool. Alrighty, guys, we've made it to the last episode. Episode 11, The Copycat. Written by Guy Langford and directed by Robin Grace. So the character folks for this episode are Javi and Zato. So on to the civilian plot. Buzz Blast is holding a songathon, so Javi decides to enter it with his song Spotlight, which is And now I'm free to dance into my spotlight. Watch me while I paint the sky so bright. I knew I'd be alright. Dancing in my spotlight. Put that shit on Spotify. So Javi is about to perform the song until Pancake Boy Blair comes in to steal his fucking song, which is fucking terrible. His cover is so bad. He calls him out for this, but the judge is just like, meh, write a new song by tomorrow. Simple, right? But Javi's like, fuck it, and performs the song anyway, but with a new spin to it, featuring some throwback instruments, including the guitar and harmonica. Which we've seen him play in other episodes. So of course he wins, and we end on a selfie. On to the Ranger plot. The Dino Fury Rangers get their ass kicked by a new foe, so Javi comes up with a plan to find a weakness in the Dino Knight armor's final attack. So he uses the Dino Knight armor to fight Zato himself so they can figure this out. So I guess everyone can use the Dino Knight armor? Equal opportunity. I mean, I know it's Sentai footage. I kind of wish it was colored per different person. So Zato figures this out and defeats our new foe. On to the villain plot. Mikus comes up with a plan leveling the Genius Society, even though they don't accept mushrooms. But Void Queen has other plans and leashes it on Pine Ridge, incapacitating four of the Dino Fury Rangers and being able to copy Zato most powerful move in Dino Knight mode. However, after some training with himself essentially, Zato is able to defeat this foe and the foe flees. Very mysterious on who this foe is, but we'll get to that in a second. So on to the Kamitaquana. So one of the contestants of the Songathon is Pop Pop, who is acting a fool girl. Like I said earlier, the way this story is going, this bitch stole a fucking baby, which is a catalyst for Void Queen wanting to see the world born. So yeah, piss off Pop Pop. I don't even think this dude is Amelia's grandfather. I think he's just some weird janitor that stole a baby. Absolutely. He just raised her as her own. He's not actually related to her. Her parents' names are Tarek and Santora. It's either Pop-Up was a hippie, and named his character a weird name, or they're aliens. Anyway, the comedic corner gets better with Mucus, who decides to enter the songathon herself remotely by sending in a live stream of dancing with henchmen to the song she had dream danced last season. Unfortunately for us, pirate booty has to ruin shit. I was vibing. She was vibing, jackass. I remember this scene floating around on Twitter when your surgery was airing, so I'm glad they ended up using it. It fits perfect for Mucus. There's no way they could not use that. Alrighty, so introduction. So I've been tiptoeing around the answers of this new foe. So let's talk about him. Void King. Forget Tarek. Forget Void Knight. What stands before you is a being powered by Sporix. I am Void King. 
Void King is Taric, juiced up with Sporix and is pretty much pure evil now. He's also super powerful, incapacitating four of the Dynafury Rangers and being able to copy Zato's strongest move until Zato outsmarts him. So yeah, they used one of the Rue Soldier Generals for Void King, since all of the footage for Void Knight is all used up, so I guess they had to keep him in the show somehow, so they were like, let's give him this monster form. They needed something to match Void Queen. They don't mesh at all. They designed Scrozzle. They can design great villains. Or have him still be a face character and put like some cool cyber shit on his face like they did with Astronema. We were kind of spoiled with them using that Madame Noir suit for Void Queen. They could have used another fucking Vru Soldier General meter of Void Queen. But that's the issue because they used that suit. They needed something else to match it. And this does not. That suit honestly does scream Void Queen. Like yes, yeah, Slay. Void King? I don't see it. Moving on, moving on. Some Easter eggs. The judges of this song were named Simon, Becca, and Alwyn. Gee, wonder where they got those names from. Anja's highlights and quotes. So D-Big Garcia's featured throughout this episode, doing some very funny and adorable and supportive moments. It's like trying to defend his boy when his song is stolen. He cheers for his boy when he's slaying the song, and he takes a selfie with the trophy. Love it. We also get some wise words from Sol on this episode, which came from a fortune cookie. LOL. And lastly, this episode was a good place for the season to cut off. This place was a good place because it ends with new villain dynamics and more questions to be answered. So it was a good place. I agree. Alrighty. So that was the end of our episode. We did that pretty quickly. Before we wrap this shit up, what do you guys think of the new way they're releasing episodes? I have no problem with that. I like it, but also I can see where it could be a little bit of trouble because people binge shit. I like them releasing the show this way because it's a binge. So you're able to get through the duds because week to week, if you get like two or three episodes that are either duds or filler. It doesn't really matter if you're in a binge because it's like, oh, we got more episodes. So filler city isn't really as noticeable if you get 11 episodes. All right. Does anyone have anything else to say before we end this? I feel like this first half gave me some stuff that I was waiting for. Gave me Ollie getting called the fuck out. It gave me D-Bag Garcia getting called the fuck out. Another thing was some good focus for Javi, which is something that was missing from season one. He actually got to fucking sing besides singing Christmas songs on the Christmas episode. One thing I hope for the second half of season two is that we see some better Ion focus. I like Ion. I just don't like the focus that they keep giving him. It doesn't work for him. It's just goofy fish out of water. Oh, donuts and canned cream and <laughs> funny joke. I liked the episode he had with Izzy, but all the other stuff is just really bad. I really like this first half of season two. We got Void Queen. We finally got Santor, that goddamn pod. Got some new villain dynamics. Got some focus, like you said. Some development. Ollie's not an asshole anymore. Deepaka, she is not an asshole anymore. Also, we still have some things that in the second half that we kind of know are coming, like Commander Shaw's gonna come back for an episode, and still have Lord Zed. I'm guessing we'll come back somewhere because Simon Bettit posted a picture with a Zed suit in Area 62 posing with all the other villains. Also, there were those batshit fake as fuck rumors about the finale that were so funny. Maybe they'll do what they did with Tarek and Zantor and maybe Zed will be infused with some of that Sporks energy and it'll turn into the big bad and he'll be the final boss in the last episode after Tarek and Zantor are redeemed because we know we're going down that road. They'll probably find out Amelia's their daughter and they'll turn good. It would make more sense to me if the final villain was just the Sporks all fused together into one thing. Why Zed? Why Zed? 
That is so random. I was thinking that maybe they brought him back to say for the 30th, but we don't even know what they're doing with the 30th. We don't know anything. And it's April. Okay, so that is the end of episode 158. We'll see you next week for a brand new episode of The Grid. But until then, everybody say bye. 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 This has been a Morphin Legacy production, bitches.